listening to Rootbound, a podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside. Are you pining for something evergreen? Then spruce up your life with conifers. Conifers, they're unforgettable. everyone, thank you for listening to this episode of Rootbound. I am the host of the show. My name is Steve, and Rootbound is the podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside. And each week, I invite a guest who joins me on the show to share with us all about a plant that means something to them, and then I share with a guest about a plant that means something to me. And through this process, we can all learn more about plants and learn more about each other. Now, today we have another repeat guest, someone's been on the show a few times before. Um, but before we say hi to them again... I want to talk about uh, genuses that are named after people. Now, I, I did this a few episodes ago, if you've been listening. I named a bunch of uh, common uh, genuses that are actually named after people, like Magnolia is named after some dude named Magnol. Uh, but one thing that you might have noticed in that list is that they were all men. <laughs> and and that was like, you know, when plants were being named, like back in the day, Carl Linnaeus era, like, you know, the, that was the time, and it's, like, pretty messed up because lots of women have made lots of contributions to botany uh, even uh, during that time. Just, they just weren't recognized. So I thought today I would name some women who have genuses of plants named after them. Um, and, you know, maybe a word to those responsible for naming plant genuses. Maybe we have a moratorium on naming them after dudes <laughs> for a little while because when I was trying to research this, it was a little bit harder than I expected. Uh uh, but there, there's actually a good number, and I'm going to just list four here that I thought were pretty interesting. First, we have Mary Agnes Chase, who was a self-taught botanist who did a lot of work on grasses for the USDA and the Smithsonian. And there are two genuses, I mean, genera, excuse me, I've been saying genuses this whole time, but the correct plural for genus is genera. Uh, and there are two genera named after Mary Agnes Chase, which are Agnesia and Chase Cloa, both grasses. Then I read about a Brazilian botanist who is relatively contemporary. She passed away in 2003. Her name was Graciela Barroso, and there are three genera named after Graciela Barroso. Graciela anthus in the Monimaceae family, Gracielia in the Astraceae family, and Gracieliodendron in the Fabaceae family. <laughs> I'm always bad at pronouncing those things. Then we have Alice Eastwood. And she is credited with building the botanical collection at the California Academy of Sciences. And she published a ton of stuff about plants in the late 1800s and early 1900s. And there are two genera named after Alice Eastwood. One is called Aliciella, and the other one is called Eastwoodia. Aliciella is in the Phlox family, and Eastwoodia is in the Asteraceae family. And then finally, we have Mildred Mathias, who was a professor at UCLA, and actually the botanic gardens at UCLA are named after Mildred Mathias. And the genus of plant named after her is in the Apiaceae family, and it is called Mathiasella. Dr. Mathias earned an academic appointment in the 1950s, becoming one of the few women faculty members at UCLA. I've never th thought particularly about... Uh, being a woman in the field. I've just always gone ahead and done what I wanted to do. 
Hey, and Moisha, thanks for joining me on this episode of Rootbound. Hi, Steve. Um, just audience for a little context, uh, we're recording in person, which is a rarity, which is fun. Uh, you'll remember Anwesha from a bunch of episodes, including episode six, but a bunch of the season episodes. Also in the room is Muggsy the dog, who was on a winter episode, so if you hear some snorting and stuff, <laughs> that's who that is. Maybe some jingling of a collar. Also Carla's in the room here, so you might hear her uh, giggle, perhaps. And then in another room, our baby is sleeping, and so if she wakes up crying, we might have to stop down. So just all those caveats for when you record in person and can't control the audio uh, soundscape. But with that said, Anuesha, do you have a plant to share with us today? Yes, I do. Which plant is it? It is the ranunculus. Okay, you said that earlier, and I was like, that sounds like a monster. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, the ranunculus. <laughs> um, or like a disease or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. Oh, like he the got ranunculus. ranunculus. Is spreading. <laughs> oh gosh. He got ranunculus. Um, <laughs> it's actually a flower. Oh, okay. And it's actually my favorite flower. Oh, cool. So um, it's actually quite pretty. Um, but yeah, I mean, should I go ahead and jump into some fun Let's facts, start or? maybe with why it's meaningful to you. Like, why is it your favorite okay. flower? What can you tell me about your connection to the ranunculus? Well, um, I, I just like really love the look of it. It's a lot, it, it, for those of you who haven't seen it, it's, kind of like a rose but it's a lot more densely packed petals like really thickly stacked petals and they um, usually are sold when they're very closed or even completely a ball kind of like a peony where it's like a, that marshmallow stage mm. um, and then as they bloom they spread open like sort of one petal by petal and I, I read online there's about like 120 petals per flower so it's very lush looking um, and very pretty and they come in all different colors of the rainbow. So that's really nice for floral arrangements. I just really love how they look in arrangements. Um, I, I prefer them to the rose, which I feel like is a little bit... Um, On the nose? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also I am trying my hand at growing them this year from corms. So they're also like personally affecting me right now because I'm trying to get them to grow and bloom in my garden. Uh, are you having any luck growing them in your garden? Yeah, yeah. So I, this is my second year of trying to grow them, and I have finally gotten a couple of blooms. So cool. I've like gotten about three blooms so far, but they were very beautiful, so I'm hoping for more. Very, very cool. Um, I, yeah, I think like, maybe you posted a picture of those mm -hmm. on your social media. Is that what, the, is that what it was a ranunculus? Yep, okay. it was a ranunculus, yeah, definitely a bright red one. Prettier than it sounds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, there's another name for it, which is the buttercup. Oh, okay. Oh, well, that's interesting now because buttercup, I know of like a little being little yellow flower. Little yellow flowers. So it's the same. This is getting into my research. Yeah, yes, yes. This is, um, they're the same family, which is the ranunculaceae. Uh huh. Are they family or genus? Genus, sorry. Same genus. Sorry. Same genus, the ranunculus genus or the ranunculus. And then the ranunculaceae family. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. interesting. Okay. Um, and so the yellow ones are the ones that are known as the buttercup. They have fewer petals, at least from what I saw mm -hmm. online. Mm -hmm. They have like five or six petals. The ones I'm growing are like the more floral arrangement-y kind, which are multiple colors and lots of petals. Yeah, and the buttercups I know are smaller. Mm -hmm. Remember we saw some when we were in Switzerland? Oh, Remember, like those the, are the buttercups? Yeah, because there's that trick that you put it up to your chin you and it makes yeah. it look like you're, you have butter on your chin. <laughs> I don't know, that's a weird <laughs> kid thing, but it works. Like yeah. the way they reflect the light yeah, is yeah. very... Uh, yeah. Because they have, I guess they have like this like parabolic shape. Yes. Yeah, so actually I um, found this in some of my research that ranunculus have 
very flat uh, petals. The, the, the cells of the petals are, lay flat like a mirror, so mm. they reflect back UV light a lot better than most flowers, which are a bit corrugated, like on a microscopic level, oh. so they don't reflect light back as well. So ranunculus, for that reason, their colors look a lot more vivid and reflective because they're just sort of flashing the sunlight back. And that also led to the children's game where you hold a buttercup up to your chin. And um, apparently the lore is that if it reflects bright yellow on your chin, it means you love butter. Um, okay. So like, I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't know that you, whether you love butter or not, but I guess you can <laughs> hold up a buttercup flower to see if you love butter. Interesting, interesting. And yeah, it makes sense because yeah, it's like ref reflecting that yellow light back stronger than another yeah. flower would because of the shape of the cells. Mm -hmm. So cool. Mm -hmm. That's so cool. Mm -hmm. Fascinating. Um, all right, let's talk corms. Yes. Corms is kind of a funny word. It sounds like you're mispronouncing corn when someone says corm. <laughs> Uh, it's yes. C O R M, but yeah, yeah um, I talked about them and I talked about all those underground parts of plants in the intro of an episode a while ago, and I don't really remember specifically what's the deal with corms. So what's the deal with corms? Well, I can't say I'm an expert on corms, but I, I looked it up, and like a corm is, I mean, it's an underground part of the plant mm -hmm. first of all. So it's sort of like we've all sort of maybe heard of tubers or bulbs and rhizomes and so corms is another kind of underground part of a plant. Uh, my understanding is that it's homogeneous inside so there you know if you cut a corm in half you're not going to see multiple la layers and mm. that's what you see in a bulb. So a bulb is a compressed version of the stem and leaves of a plant. Mm -hmm. So like an onion where you cut in you see all the layers. A corm is not like that it's just it's I guess sort of starchy all the way through. It's not a tuber though, and I'm not sure why. Okay, that's, that's cool. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, so ranunculus corms actually, it's funny you mentioned that it sounds like a monster because they kind of look like monsters. Mm. Ranunculus corms are really weird looking. They look like an octopus. So there's a lot of little tentacles sticking out. Oh. It looks really kind of ugly. Um, and then you soak them in water, you plant them upside down, um, like tentacle parts down okay mm -hmm. and those are the parts that start rooting mm. and then the plant comes out of the top interesting very fascinating yeah. um and but i guess you can you should add more on corms if you yeah well you know, you know our audience if you know what corms feel free to <laughs> uh fill in with some corm info because I, I don't yeah i don't really know much about corms i think which uh, i'm trying to think of any like the spring flowers i have dandelion or i mean uh, daff Daffodils are bulbs, I yeah, think, right? Yeah, they're bulbs. What about uh, hyacinth? Are those also bulbs? I think bulb? hyacinth might Maybe be a corm. corm. Interesting. Well, let's we can speculate about corms all day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what other fun facts and dazzling details do you have about? Um, well, another Renicus? fun nickname. So I was surprised to find there's so many names. So there's Buttercup, and there's also Coyote Eyes. Oh. Um, which comes from a Native American folklore story that uh, you know a coyote was. I guess out in a field, got bored and was tossing around his own eyeballs in the mm. air. So he took them out and started tossing them around, catching them because it was fun. And then an eagle caught the eyeballs and just stole them and left. And the fox was, or sorry, the coyote was left in a field with no eyeballs. So he picked up some buttercups and stuck them in his eyes. And so it's called coyote oh. eyes. And I've actually, I think, seen a photo, like, a, you know, sort of like a painting of coyote with yellow flower eyes so if you've ever seen that native american imagery that's mm. what it's actually a ranunculus and i wonder if that has to do with the um the reflective quality of Maybe. them as well right because 
uh, like a, an animal eye at night or if the sun hits it at the right angle mm -hmm. um, and maybe for like looking at a field of them you're like oh like where's the coyote in there yeah yeah, yeah. so that was that oh. was kind of cool um other fun just fun just to note don't play with your eyeballs or you yeah, don't get them do stolen that. by an eagle. Don't do that. Don't yeah. stick them in your eyes yeah. or anywhere else because apparently they're toxic. Okay. So <laughs> that's another fun, not so fun fact, but like <laughs> if you're handling ranunculus, be careful. They're pretty toxic, can cause like a contact dermatitis in people. And oh, some really? GI issues and animals that eat them. Oh. So uh, cows avoid them apparently oh. um, almost notoriously, but they said in some cases where all the grass has died out, and there's only buttercups left in a large field. Cows have eaten them out of desperation and gotten kind of sick. Oh, interesting. So. Have you ever gotten a contact dermatitis from handling them? No, I haven't. Interesting. Okay. And I've gotten bouquets before, and now I've obviously planted them. And I think it's fine as long as you're not, like, eating parts of it. Good. Um, what else? Um, they are... Oh, another interesting fact about them was they... So when I got them in bouquets, I really loved the shape of them in particular because they're sort of, like I said, like a peony, they come in this ball shape, they slowly open up and they're not fully fanned out like a flower for several days. Mm. So for a long time, they're almost like a cup shape mm. with these densely packed petals all around. And then I planted the corms and I started growing them. And I was kind of sad the first day because when my first ranunculus bloomed, it bloomed completely opened up. And you know, it's in the pollen, like the pistils mm -hmm. and the stamen were like fully exposed. Mm -hmm. The petals were fully splayed out. And I wondered why that is because I had never seen that before when I get them in a cut flower arrangement. And then I noticed the next morning it was closed again. It was closed like how I would, um, how I would see in a flower arrangement. So when I was doing research for today's episode, I found out that they're heat sensitive. Mm. So they actually, open up in the heat mm. and then they close back up in the cold. And so they're pretty frost tolerant for that reason because mm. they protect heat. And apparently they provide a nice home for insects trying to stay warm and out of the cold oh. as well. So insects will sort of crawl into the center of them and then they close up Cute. and protect, uh, <laughs> protect them from heat, oh. or sorry, cold in the, the winter time. Interesting. But yeah, um, they've been used for medicinal you know, uses. They're actually apparently from Asia, which I had no idea because, um, you know, I've never seen them whenever I've been to Asia. I've really only seen them. But is that, I guess, we're talking about a specific species that's from Asia because there are some, I guess, buttercups native yeah. in this area. But the, maybe the one that's most common in flower arrangements, the bigger, because the one you have is, it's, is bigger than a buttercup, right? Like It's bigger than a buttercup. It's still pretty small for a ranunculus, but I think that's because it's a smaller corm and it's just yeah. being set up. Um, they can get to be pretty big, like mm -hmm. a rose-sized. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, they're apparently found along streams and along water bodies in mm. southwestern Asia. Mm -hmm. Interesting, interesting. But yeah, um, and then the, I mean, the other thing is, you know, it's, I don't know, when I heard it was called Buttercup, it reminded me of Pucker Up Buttercup, which okay. I, <laughs> I had sort of forgotten about, so that was fun. But yeah, lots of fun stories there's um the children's story the the coyote story and then there's also a story about a persian prince who was really in love with this woman and sort of kept singing to her and then they turned him into a buttercup mm. because they were kind of annoyed of him singing i guess there's a lot of like old myths about people getting turned into flowers as punishment <laughs> <laughs> it's 
later. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so he turned into a buttercup. Um, do you know anything about the name Ranunculus? Like, what does that mean? Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> I do. I was forgetting. So it's two Latin words, rana, which is a frog, and unculus, which is little. Oh. So it's little frog. Um, and it's apparently comes from being popular, or sorry, growing along streams and small oh, water bodies. So it's interesting. Just like a dainty little nickname. Oh, cute. Yeah. Cute. Okay, that sounds good. <laughs> it's cuter than it sounds. Like. Yeah, indeed, indeed. <laughs> I'm called Little Buttercup, dear Little Buttercup, though I could never tell why. But still I'm called Buttercup, poor Little Buttercup, sweet Little Buttercup. Well, thank you for sharing about ranunculus with me. Do you mind if I share a plant with you? Of course. All right, we're going to go on a just a quick field trip. So grab Muggsy, oh, put your wow. shoes on. We're going to go outside for a second. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You got you have a slip-on shoes, right? We can. Yes. Good. All right, Muggs. We're just gonna quick little field trip. We'll come back in in a second, because I have to get my notes, which are out there. All right. We're going out into the yard. It's a benefit of it recording in person. We can actually go All into right. the garden. Come on, Muggs. Now I went out here earlier to try to find this particular plant, but it's so dry right now. I had a little bit of trouble, but I did find some, and they don't look quite as nice as they can. Um, but I'm gonna grab one. You can stay right there. Okay. I'm gonna grab a few of these here. Uh, and here, I'm just picking a couple little of this plant before I reveal what it is, and I'm going to hand one to Anwesha. So here's the plant. Okay. Do you know what that is? It looks like a clover. All right, good. You're describing it's got three leaves. Now, it is not a clover, and we'll okay. talk about it in a second. Okay. Now, take a bite. Take a bite? <laughs> yeah, take a bite. <laughs> what does it taste like? Whoa. Whoa. I don't know, but it was like an explosion of tart flavor. Mm-hmm, very tart. Um, whoa, it's, really it's like lemony. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very lemony. Yeah. So pretty cool. This is a plant that is called wood sorrel. Let's go ahead and go back inside. Okay. You can, you can just toss the stem. The stems are <laughs> not. The stems are edible. They're just like a little bit, especially now they're like getting wow, a little bit. Wow, that's, that's actually kind of good. Like it yeah. would be a good garnish on like a... You know, sort of fancy Michelin-style dish. Absolutely. It is It is a fun uh, thing to add to food, particularly to salads. Um, uh-huh. Though I will say, what makes them... Though, so the this wood sorrel is the common name. There's a bunch of species in the wood sorrel family. This genus Oxalis. Okay. Um, and that name Oxalis comes from what makes them sour, which is oxalic acid. Mm. And if you read a lot of stuff about oxalic acid, people will say, well, oxalic acid is toxic. Mm-hmm. But it's, it goes back to what we... <laughs> You're telling me <laughs> yeah. this after you had me bite. Totally. <laughs> I ate some too, audience, if you didn't hear. Um, and that's the thing. is like, like we've said on the podcast a lot, going back to our friend Paracelsus, the Swiss alchemist, the dose makes the poison, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And if you eat too much of anything, yeah. it can be poisonous. Now, the thing is, like, oxalic acid is in a lot of food we eat. Like, it's in spinach. Okay. It's in a bunch of other things. The amount that is in wood sorrel is higher than a lot of foods, but mm-hmm. it's not as high as in something like uh, oxalic acid. Also, it's also what makes the plant Virginia creeper um, toxic, okay. and it's way higher in that. And the problem with oxalic acid is it, it, oh, oxalic acid is also in rhubarb, 
And in fact, the rhubarb leaves have way higher oxalic acid than the stem. So that's why people don't eat the leaves of uh, rhubarb. rhubarb. Um, but the whole thing is, is like, essentially, if you had a ton of it, your kidneys wouldn't be able to process it. Oh and that God. would make you sick. But in these small amounts, especially a little bite, no problem. A few leaves on a salad, no problem. But even then, like I, when I first heard about it, and one of the things I did with it is I made like a lemonade-like drink with it. And you got sick? No, no, oh, I was okay. fine. Oh, you because were fine. the thing is, it's it's it. You have to have a hot ton. Okay. To make it, and the thing is, it's not really available in your yard that long. Of the, it would be very hard, I think, to mm -hmm. be poisoned by wood sorrel. You'd have to like really go overboard. Mm -hmm. Is it what, seasonal? You said it's not available. That yeah, long. like this is kind of like you know yeah, it kind of seasonal. dies back in the summer because mm -hmm. it's too hot. Um, so. Yeah, I think a lot of those things, it's like, yes, I, you don't want to have too much oxalic acid, but you probably wouldn't, if you, if you like drank a lot of lemons and had so much citric acid, you probably would be not great for you. Yeah. I mean, anything <laughs> is like that, but oxalic acid in particular yeah. is, yeah. you know, so audience beware, don't go overboard with anything, but yes, yeah, it's it's not as big of a deal, I think, as people might say. Uh-huh. Yeah, and it's got a lot of uses, culinary uses traditionally, and even... It probably is in some Michelin star salads, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it looks like it would be a nice little garnish with its shape, too, clover-like Yeah. On the clover-like shape, it's pretty interesting. I think when I first remember seeing it, because the different species of it widespread are all around, I think I confused it with clover. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people confuse yeah. it with clover. And you'll see it. It's pretty common. Um, and interestingly, I was reading an article about the shamrock, mm -hmm. which is, you know, the symbol of, mm -hmm. of Ireland. Mm -hmm. And the shamrock, I think, in Irish is a means a little clover. But uh, what exact species of plant the shamrock is, is it gets a little bit nebulous. Oh. And people have different interpretations. And at two different times, like I think once in like, don't quote me on the dates, but like once in like the 40s and then once in the 90s, they did a survey of Ireland to say, what do you think the shamrock is? Yeah. Majority of people said it was little clover, yeah. but some percentage said that it was wood sorrel. Oh, wow. And there is some references to the British people saying that Irish people ate clover or ate shamrock, mm -hmm. but that might have been British people seeing that they were eating wood sorrel. Because I think you can eat clover, but it's not really tasty, tasty and, and probably doesn't do much for you, but the wood sorrel is. So maybe it was like outsiders observing and like, oh, that's the thing that they... Yeah. draw on all their stuff yeah <laughs> and they're eating something that looks similar and maybe there's a mix-up but yeah. there's some like interesting like historical um confusion about what the shamrock is mm -hmm. and its editability but yeah wood sorrel might be responsible for it because it does look quite similar so audience if you want to look it up it's got three heart-shaped leaves in kind of a mm -hmm. circular pattern mm -hmm. and what we just saw now they kind of fold up on themselves yeah. when it gets really hot mm -hmm. or at night they do that too i guess and sometimes when it rains, they do that. So they have kind of this reactivity. So sometimes they will be kind of splayed out. Yeah, and Oxalis genus is um, pretty defined by that three-leaf clover shape. There are, I guess, some other... So are they related? No, they're actually not related at all. They're, oh. they're very different plants. Actually, the clover is more like a legume-based grass, and this mm -hmm. is kind of like a small... Mm. Um, I don't know the definition of it, but it kind of grows up. It doesn't like spread in the grass, like a grass. It kind of is like individual plants. Oh, okay. Um, and so they're not in the same genus at all. Clover is, I'm blanking on the genus of clover, but this is oxalis and they're not the same at all. Okay. But they are, they do look similar. Um, the flowers are very different between clover. Clover has kind of a the little white. puffy ball yeah. flower. Mm -hmm. This one has like a, uh, their colors vary, but it's like, 
this one I have here as a small yellow flower that's kind of got like, I think five petals and they're mm -hmm. small. Um, I think this particular one, I was trying to figure this out earlier. I think this particular one is likely um, Oxalis Delaney, which mm. is Delaney's Oxalis, and Delaney's named after some German dude named Johann Jacob Delanius. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've talked about it a lot on the podcast. I think Le Carl Linnaeus just named plants after every botany dude he could find. <laughs> They're, they're all dudes, too. I, I, that's something I need to look up for another episode, perhaps. It's like, like are there geniuses named after women? Mm -hmm. I can't think of any off the top of my head. But, um, yeah, so even though this, this particular one is native to North America, it's widespread around the world, but there are other um, wood sorrels. Mm -hmm. Like, I think I've had wood sorrel in my yard of a different genus that is a European wood sorrel that has been spread around everywhere else. So it's, it's, a, it's very common. I think I read that there are wood sorrels on every continent except for Antarctica. Like, it's wow. a very common thing. So for if somebody wanted to go out and find it in their area, which presumably a lot of our listeners will probably have it nearby, like, yeah. how would you distinguish it quickly from clover? Um, the, the leaves are heart-shaped, whereas clovers are more round okay. leaves. And so if you look at the, sh the leaf of a wood sorrel, an individual leaf, mm -hmm. it kind of looks like uh, two leaves, like when you take a... A heart that's folded in half mm -hmm. they have that look mm -hmm. whereas uh, clover is like these three kind of oval leaves yeah so that's the main way okay. to do it um also if you like google how it looks as a plant and how the stems and stuff look it is pretty different looking mm -hmm. uh, and the flowers are also that we didn't i think there was a little bit of a yellow flower in one of the ones we just ate oh. um but if they're, if they're flowering you can totally tell the yeah. difference between yeah. a clover like poof ball and yeah. this kind of like more yeah. Standard flower and look. neither one of them, clover or wood sorrel, have four leaves, right? That's just like a... Is that just a myth, the whole four-leaf clover Clovers thing? can have four leaves. Okay. But it's kind of like a random thing. That's why it's they're like rare. mutation, probably. Yeah, I think so, yeah. yeah. And, then, and there are some... I think... I don't... I haven't heard about wood sorrels, like, having four leaves. There are, I guess, some species of wood sorrel that have more than three, mm -hmm. but the majority of them have three. Mm -hmm. um, you will see some... There are some ornamental oxaluses you'll see around that have these cool, like, three sh sh leaves. There's one particular I see a lot that the leaves are more triangular instead of heart-shaped, but they're, like, three of them, mm -hmm. and they're kind of a dark, a dark maroon. Mm -hmm. And there's a number of those uh, oxaluses that are ornamental. Um, but the majority of the ones you see around are, like, what we saw, these smaller leaves. Those ones have bigger leaves, like mm -hmm. the ornamental ones. Mm -hmm. but the ones I see, at least in this part of the country around, are for, like, smaller leaves, like, like a clover. Um, let's talk about the name, um, so we talked about the, the scientific name Oxalis is because of the oxalic acid, and then this, this particular one, Oxalis Delaney, because of this dude, Johann Jacob Delanius, but the name wood sorrel is interesting because there is another plant that's very common in gardens, particularly in France, called sorrel, mm -hmm. and they are completely unrelated too. Oh. <laughs> sorrel is, uh, is genus Rumex, this is genus Oxalis. But the name sorrel, the word sorrel is coming from French and Germanic roots. It's a little unclear, but it basically means sour, oh, which you experienced. That makes sense. Yeah. And the sorrel, the, the more common garden plant, is also sour. And whether they got named independently because they're both sour, or someone said, hey, this thing I found in the woods tastes like the one. Yeah, the other sorrel. I'm not sure, but it is called wood sorrel because it also commonly grows in, in the woods. So that's the name. And then uh, I think um, a couple of final things as far as how to use it. 
Um, I made a lemonade essentially where you just like blended it with some water, added a sweetener, strain out the, the stuff, and mm-hmm. there's some good recipes online. It makes a bright green drink, which is cool. Whoa. You need like a few handfuls of it. So like I think now this it's too hot and dry now to have enough of it to do anything interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I was looking up some other recipes. A lot of people talk about making a simple syrup with it, which you could use for similar uses, which is cool. Um, in salads would be good. You probably don't want to overdo it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I saw a really interesting recipe for a sorbet with wood mm-hmm. sorrel, which would be pretty good. Mm-hmm. Probably just freeze like freezing the lemonade, essentially. Mm-hmm. And then one, one place, I saw a few places where people referenced, and I guess this is probably like a pretty... Uh, traditional just like uh, camping fish recipe where you like stuff a, like a fish with it and then cook it on the fire like oh, you put a bunch so of it fun. Yeah. and then you get like a, you could probably pick it while you're out camping right right yeah. and you get like the lemony fishy flavor but you're somewhere where you can't access a lemon, get lemon. yeah oh that's really cool yeah so if i'm ever doing that that's i'll give it a like try fish, fisherman's recipe yeah yeah um and uh, then the final thing to say would be the seed pods are pretty cool. They kind of look like micro okra, I would say. They're very small, but they also have a very nice tart pop when you eat them, and they're kind of like a nice little snacky thing. Yeah. You can take them and pop them in your mouth, and they, like, pop when you bite them. They have a nice little, like, yeah. tart flavor. But, like, right now, that it's, we're past that part of the year, so I couldn't see any of those. I saw some dry ones out there, but mm-hmm. they don't look as cool. But, yeah, they're, like, very tiny, like like, less than an inch long. Hmm. But do kind of look like an okra. Huh. I yeah. Okra, so. Yeah. Um, I think I think that's it. What I have to say about wood sorrel, yeah, it's meaningful to me because it's in my yard and I've I've used it a few times and yeah. and I, I should do more with it. It's a it's a fun little And does the plant, plant. get any bigger than that or it sort It'll, of stays it stays low. You'll get a bigger one where it kinda of like will spread out. It may get a little taller, but it the the leaves and stuff never get any bigger than that. Mm-hmm. Like everything has kind of died back now, mm-hmm. so but they can like get a little bigger but they're kind of into being distinct plants mm-hmm. like you can pull one out and get its roots and like clover which is kind of like spreads spreads like a grass yeah. it'd be hard to really pull a single plant out yeah. you know um yeah any awesome. other questions about wood sorrel no it yeah. sounds cool yeah keep your eye out for it it's it's yeah. around i mean i think in new york Does city it cultivated or is it just uh, just naturally growing in most? I areas? think from from what I I think the stuff that I that people eat is I don't think people try to cultivate it, but you the cultivated stuff are like the bigger oxalises that are used as ornamental plants. You mm-hmm. see those cultivated, mm-hmm. but I don't heard of anyone cultivating wood sorrel for any cool commercial purposes. I yeah I yeah. don't know why not, but yeah it's weird what we choose to cultivate yeah. and not. Oh, another cool way to use it might be like drying it and mix it with a salt. And so you can make like a lemon salt, oh, but like a I wonder. wood sorrel salt that you can use on food. That's an interesting idea. I think that would work because, yeah, I think, I think unlike, probably unlike certain herbs, it probably will keep a lot of that flavor even dried because the oxalic acid, I don't think, would will break down, away, right? Yeah, it would yeah, probably still be there, so... It probably handles a lot of cooking or drying or mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah. Well, I have to, yeah. I did, next, it's gonna have to be next year because I don't think. Well, I think it's a plant that can have a little resurgence in the fall when things cool down, perhaps. Okay. Um, but I think mostly it's a spring thing, so I have to keep an eye out and do. I need to do more with it. This year, I really kind of didn't do as much of foraging as I hoped. So and next year, I'll have to give it a try. Sounds cool. All right. Well, thanks for joining me on this episode of Rootbound. Hooray! Bye, Muggsy. Bye. <laughs> Well, that was a really great chat with Anwesha about ranunculus and wood sorrel. 
And how about a little bit of vocabulary here at the end of the show? Now, one thing I think I mentioned briefly, but maybe didn't get into, is that wood sorrel at nighttime, the leaves fold up. And in the daytime, they unfurl. And that kind of particular movement when a plant does that is called nyctinasty. And here's the definition from Wikipedia. Nyctinasty is the circadian rhythm-based nastic movement of higher plants in response to the onset of darkness. It's kind of like sleeping for plants. Uh, just to quickly define nastic movement, nastic movements are non-directional responses to stimuli such as temperature, humidity, or light. And nyctinasty is specifically the ones related to uh, the uh, change in light from night to day. And so wood sorrel is a nyctinastic plant. And uh, there's some other ones out there. Actually, I talked about um, the mimosa tree, which is actually the Persian silk tree. Uh, its leaves do that as well. Um, and uh, there's probably some other common ones out there that I'm not thinking of, but yeah, it's a pretty cool thing to see a plant like, you know, move in like relatively fast time frame in response to that stimuli. And it's like they're taking a little snooze. <laughs> so that's cute. Um, yeah, I think that's all I have to say for this episode of Rootbound. Thank you for joining me, and I will speak with you on the next episode. My guest on this episode of Rootbound was Anwesha Banerjee. Anwesha is a really great friend who's got an awesome rooftop garden. And you can hear her on a few other episodes of the show, including episode 6, this first spring episode, and the first winter episode. So check those out. If you like Rootbound and you want to help support the show, visit rootboundpodcast.com support to learn how you can do that, including supporting the show on Patreon. Rootbound is hosted by a guy who might make you eat a weed, Steve Ellington. Music by Christian Krikoskota. Fake ads by David Lonnie. Rootbound is a podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside, but if you can go outside, beware the ranunculus. Conifers, they're unforgettable!